0: Hello everybody, this is Bill Knauer and you're listening to Author to Author where we talk about writing and life Because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead, it's true Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free magazine on the internet Featuring articles on writing and the writing life As well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres Got a new issue coming out November 1st, but tomorrow I am going to put up my conversation with Kat Rambo, science fiction and fantasy writer, interesting woman, great conversation, had it at the conference uh, this uh, September, it's up there, and I'm going to put it up tomorrow, so look for it tomorrow, Halloween, October 31st. Uh, We are also funded, uh, you can find it at authormagazine.org, by the way, authormagazine.org, we're also funded by the wonderful Pacific Northwest Writers Association. They've been supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. Yes, they have. Uh, They do a great writers conference every year. We do it in September now up here in the Seattle area. But that's not all. No, it's not. We also have every month a monthly meeting or some Industry Insider comes along and talks about the craft or the business of writing. And if you can't make it to the meeting itself, if you don't live in the Seattle North or the Puget Sound area, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You can do it on the Internet. You can visit us on the Internet. We uh, send it out there. So it doesn't matter if you live in India or England or Boston. It doesn't matter. You can check it out. So join the PNWA. Go to pnwa.org. I want to thank everybody. Uh, If I saw you when I was down in Pasadena this weekend for the Writer's Digest Novel Writing Conference, it was a good one. A lot of great people, had some great classes. It was a lot of fun. Thanks to the folks who had me down there. If I saw you, hello. Hello. Nothing much going on in my world right now, so I don't need to talk about it. All I need to do is get to the author. And if you are a writer, and if you have been around the writing world for a while, you probably have heard of this guy. You may have even met him at a writer's conference. It's Jeff Herman, the literary agent and author. Uh, Jeff opened his literary agency back all the way in the mid-1980s when he was just a young pup in his mid-20s. Since then, he has made nearly one thousand book deals including many bestsellers of course but he's not just an—he no he's an author also he wrote uh, see this is where i first heard of jeff jeff herman's guide to publishers editors and literary agents now in its 28th edition and it has sold more than half a million copies he's also the author of write the perfect book proposal co-authored with deborah herman he has presented hundreds of workshops about writing and publishing and has been interviewed for dozens of publications and programs including this one. Let's get a little conversation going. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. So, Jeff, you you were you started your own agency in your 20s. Did you like were you a boy 14 lying in bed thinking I just want to be a literary agent as soon as I can? <laughs> what how did, that, how did that dream become a reality for you? Or when did the dream even start? Uh, really in a very backward way.
1: Uh, yeah. no, I, I was acting as a literary agent before I even understood what the term meant. Uh-huh. And I was acting as a literary agent uh, without knowing that I was, what I was doing would be defined as being. A literary agent. All right. So Explain I kind of got into it in a very backward way.
0: Explain this to me. You just you just had a friend or something who was a writer. Well, I, and you said
1: I think I could sell that thing for you. Uh, I had gone uh, out of college. I went into the public relations business, okay. and uh, some of my clients uh, they were uh, in business and. They had written books to help wow. promote themselves and help sure. their businesses. So I was promoting their books and them, and then they asked me to help them get new deals with book publishers. And I just figured, well, I guess you just call them up and, uh, <laughs> you know, talk to them about, about yeah. it, because that's how you, d- you dealt with uh, media. I just sure. figured it was another form of media. And so I was making deals uh, for people. <laughs> but uh you were a savant. but I didn't I didn't know I was an agent and I remember then they said can you help with the contract so I I uh, figured yeah I went to a Barnes and Noble and I bought a book called how to negotiate a book contract and oh uh I read it and and so yeah then all of a sudden I was an agent wow
0: so you really just fell in that is the, that has got to be one of the weirder because a lot of it's like, oh, I came out of, you know, Barnard and I, or Swarthmore or whatever, and I went and got a – I was an associate editor or reader, and that's sort of very typical. That – yours is, I would think, atypical. Have you met anyone who's had a similar journey?
1: Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> no. Most of the agents and editors I know, uh, they, they really were strong. Uh, they were – they really were – you know, focused on that career, you know, yeah. probably starting in college or, or soon afterwards.
0: But you must have seen. I mean, you were you had a career. You were in public relations. What? Why did you decide to make this switch? Why not just make it a little dally? It was. Why did you uh, pursue it?
1: I'm thinking back, and I realized it was kind of exciting. Uh, yeah. I. It wasn't fee based, so somehow I felt that that put less pressure on me. See, in PR, public relations, right. you, know, you, you get a, a fee, and then you're expected to, to perform. So what I liked about being a literary agent was I didn't have to ask for the money until after I delivered the result. And right. uh, I somehow, even though it, there was pressure on me to generate commissions so that I could survive uh, – sure. I still liked the dynamic of not actually owing anything to anybody until, you know, uh, and and delivering the goods before I could, uh, you know, uh, collect on it.
0: It's a funny thing. It's true. I hadn't thought of that. But with the PR thing, so you you give someone, you know, your thousands of dollars, whatever it is. And then there's a question of your retainer or your retainer. Yeah. How do you yeah. know if you've, like, earned your keep? Like, it's always negotiable whether you've done uh, kind of a enough or whatever. Whereas with a literary agent, it's pretty straightforward, isn't it?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, a little more the, straightforward. The the result is you get a deal for the for right. the author, and you negotiate the contract and you negotiate the terms. And uh, most of the time, you know, the author really has to be very happy because you you did it. You
0: know, yeah, I mean, they, yeah.
1: They may sometimes not be happy with the publisher. But, right. uh, you know, that, that's, then they may also just not be happy about a lot of other things. <laughs> you know, uh, have writers, to do. We'll
0: find something to be unhappy about. Don't worry, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. We're good at that. Uh, so you started with nonfiction, with businessmen and people with like a what you would call a platform, I guess. Did you? Are you still drawn? Have you stayed in that, or do you like to roam across the fiction, nonfiction genres? What's your main interest right now?
1: Okay, I did it, uh, in the '80s. Actually, what what happened was, as an agent, I had a really good niche in computer books, which were ah, exploding yeah. at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know through the second half of the '80s into the '90s uh, it was a, a huge uh, program for uh, publishers to just and they they kept coming out with new hardware and new software right. It was a very entrepreneurial field at the time, not not consolidated like it right is today so uh, but and then I expanded from that really to all areas of nonfiction. Uh, I flirted a little bit with fiction, and I realized I didn't have the same aptitude for
0: it. Right. Yeah.
1: Uh, You really had to, like, love reading fiction to represent fiction. You really had to read it to know if the quality was there. And I
0: realized,
1: you know, I didn't have the skill set to really be able to say what was good fiction or at least what was marketable fiction. Right.
0: But you, but so you started in the '80s, uh, and and I started started doing nonfiction myself. I'd come to the to writing through fiction, and then I have shifted to nonfiction, narrative nonfiction, but still nonfiction. And so I was introduced to the book proposal which I was not pleased with at first, but I came to understand it and have changed my opinion about it. Because in fiction, you just write the thing and send it in, and then people try to sell it. But it's different animal with nonfiction. Has That's the book right. proposal evolved since you started selling books in the 80s, or has it always been around in the, in the, the form it is now?
1: Okay. Uh, I would say that it has not changed.
0: The really?
1: Details, yeah, I would say it's still... Oh, interesting. Uh, it's it's still essentially the same document it always was, and you know let's yeah. explain that with nonfiction, unless you're talking about a memoir or something,
0: you're even not with expected... memoirs now, even memoirs, right.
1: I hate to
0: bad to say, you, yeah,
1: you don't <laughs> have to proposals. write the the whole manuscript.
0: No, you maybe just no.
1: need one or two chapters depending on the yes. nature of the book. You write yeah. the proposal, which yeah. is tedious, but it's a lot easier <laughs> than writing a whole manuscript on spec. Because, right. on the basis of the proposal, you can get your contract. Yeah. Uh, so the only thing that I think has changed, and it's only been over the past ten years, is the author marketing section uh, yeah. has become even more crucial. It was always important. Yeah. Right. but it it has bec- it started now with, especially in certain aspects of nonfiction. The author's marketing ability and infrastructure uh, is sometimes more important
0: than the editorial yeah. component. No, I th- yeah, I think that's a, often the case. I've I that yeah. a lot from, from uh, people I know where they've said they didn't even want my book. They just wanted my platform. You know, Exactly. So the book was really secondary.
1: So that section of the proposal
0: has become much more crucial than it used right. to be.
1: But otherwise mm-hmm. – I don't think it really has changed. I, and it probably doesn't
0: need to change. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's interesting. All right. Well, so, okay. So, you, uh, but now you've got this book. And, I, I, and it's so funny because, you know, I started looking into agents probably in like 1992, right? It was my first like, okay, I've got this thing now. What the hell do I do kind of thing? So I started looking into literary agents. And I, I, I think that's when I first banged into your book because this is edition number 28. So it must have been – you've done one a year? Have you done one a year since uh, whenever? We,
1: we went – we were doing one a year until about 2016. We converted to doing it every two years.
0: Okay. So, so yeah. So it must have been around when I started because I feel like I've – as long as I've oh, been yeah. looking into agents, I've been looking at the cover of your book. And Since so, 1990. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah, perfect. That's when I started writing my first novel. So – um, how strange is that? So, all right. So, at some point, you get an idea into your head, and you say, "I, I know what I'm going to do," because uh, the Writers Digest had their uh, thing, I'm sure already. But you thought, oh, no, yeah, I'm, not... I... yeah, I'm going to do my own." So, what? Well, why? Why do that? You got you're busy enough. Why do that? Why did I write the book? Yeah,
1: I mean, oh, aside from running well,
0: the dough,
1: but I mean, uh, because have some I, I I was a fledgling agent, first uh-huh. of all. So I needed to get noticed, and I understood, uh, I understood that from my background in public relations, that you have to do something to get noticed. Uh, the other reason was is I realized that you know, this was way before digital information. So right. most of the information that I was accumulating in order to be an agent was uh, completely unavailable to the public. I mean, it was like really well fortified uh, information. Uh, And what I'm talking about is really the the names of the editors.
0: Yeah. You know, who are the
1: editors in these publishing houses that actually make these decisions? And I realized that unless you were an agent, you probably didn't know. You didn't, and there was no way to get that information. There really wasn't. Uh, mm-hmm. In any quality way, so right. I figured, well, why not just put it out there? You know, right. put you know, give give people information about the publishing houses, because again, there was no website, so the only you know, mm-hmm. how would you know what these publishers were actually doing? And there were a lot more publishers then, also, than there are now. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: So I figured, well, let's describe each house so that people know what, what, the, what you could publish there and can't publish there and give the names of the editors and what each of them are specializing in editorially yeah. And, yeah. Give, and then give directions about, gee, how do I pitch myself? How do I not pitch myself? And right. uh, so that's really how it began. And, and, just, and you, found a, you found a market for it pretty quick? Uh, You know, it's most. So I did. I acted as my own agent, and uh, I wrote a proposal, (laughs) and I sent it around. You know, to a lot of publishers, and I got a lot of rejections. They just didn't (sighs) think that there was a big enough market, or they didn't, which I thought was crazy, or they just didn't really want to get into uh, do a reference book because it was basically a reference book so but i did find a, a relatively small uh relatively new independent publisher named prima books at the time uh who saw it as a great niche book and they you know the the owner of the company uh who was the pub- publisher and the editor in chief Right. uh and probably had other functions as well <laughs> yeah, you know including right. maintenance yeah. physical plant maintenance whatever <laughs> uh he had a great vision for it and he said yeah i mean this this is crucial every writer would want this information you know right. if it could be given to them on a silver platter
0: and that, and that's right. what we did
1: yeah and you and found and, and, and
0: it found a it found and it found a readership relatively quickly at its peak,
1: it was selling close to fifty thousand copies a year. This is all Gosh. pre-digital. Yeah. Wow. Wow.
0: And a lot of it hardcover, probably, or was it? It was it. Not paid?
1: hardcover. It was paperback, but you know, oh, it paperback. had a premium price. And sure. then, when we really hit the sweet spot, it was in the late '90s, early 2000s. We added a CD to it as uh, if you could pay instead oh, of yeah. pay, and we raised the price to like 49 dollars, and added a really good interactive you know thing that you would stick it to right. your computer
0: uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: again there was nothing uh online or digital about yeah it, uh but it gave all kinds of bonus materials in there and information <laughs> and ways to track things and uh yeah, it was, it was great. And then, you know, of course, those things became obsolete. Yeah.
0: CD-ROM, whatever, discs, CD-ROMs. Yeah, it's gone. It's gone. And yeah. so now, but we just came out with 28th. And, it's, and so obviously, because there's so much available online for people, there's all these websites where they, you can go and find blah, blah, blah. But there must still be people that find it handy to have it all packed into one book still, even with all yes. the stuff that's available
1: and that's yeah. why we continue to do it because mm-hmm. there are there's still first of all they know that it's been vetted and they know that it's all there. Yeah. Uh, now of course they can buy it also as an ebook though so it I you uh, know yeah. I'm I'm old school I prefer having it like if, right on my desk that kind of information yeah. uh, in hard copy form. Uh so You know, yeah, they're, you know, there's still, it's not the vibrant market that when I was selling 50,000 copies, but I'm happy to sell, you know, 15 to 20,000 copies a year. Sure,
0: sure. And so do you, and you obviously, uh, you, you like to teach and go talk to, to writers. Uh, What kind of stuff do you like to, when you go around to the conferences, I do you teach them at conferences or do you do your own thing?
1: Uh, No, I uh, do several conferences a year. And what I enjoy doing is telling people how to really understand and reverse engineer the system of how to get published.
0: Reverse Uh, engineer it.
1: Yeah, how to think out of the box.
0: How to
1: understand what the enemy is. The enemy is the odds, the statistical mathematical odds that say –
0: you depressing. know, one out of a thousand get published. Yeah, so what yeah, you yeah.
1: have to do is stop thinking. Like, for instance, you can't really think of yourself as being uh, one of the 999 no. that aren't going to get published out of <laughs> no. each cluster. You really have to think about of yourself as that person who's going to get a deal because yeah. thousands of people do get a deal
0: every year. That's right. I like your attitude, Jeff. This is what this show is all about, is positivity. You know, I, I one of the first writer conference I ever went to, uh, was, uh, I I saw, uh, uh, forget his name. He was the fiction editor for the Atlantic Monthly back when the Atlantic used to publish fiction. And it was a big deal to get published in his magazine. But they only did one. Still is. Oh, for sure. And if you were a fiction writer, that could start your career. And he knew that. But, the, and, but he, they'd only do one a month, so 12 a year. And he said, listen, I read all my submissions and I get 12,000 submissions a year. And the whole room went, ugh, right? He said, hold on. He said ten thousand of them should never have been sent to me. They just right. weren't ready. They just weren't even in the. And he said, and then the tooth." and he started whittling it down. You know, to maybe he, he he would know in a paragraph or less if the book, the short story should have been sent. And he said, really, there are just a few hundred that were really in the ballpark, and exactly. a lot of the. Think, and I thought it was so relevant because the numbers I think can be so depressing and so misleading. You know, I would imagine you get queries for stuff that you would, you don't even represent, but they probably send exactly. to you anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, I am rejecting an extremely high percentage. I mean, I think I'm, you know, representing less than 1% of what I'm being pitched. But I'm being pitched a lot of romance novels, which I would never represent, even if even if there are they are good, I wouldn't know. So I mean, and other agents, you know, they only represent romance novels, and they're rejecting everything else, you know, so we're not in lockstep you know it's very there's so many variables to it
0: yeah and I I tell my clients uh and and students like look if there's a certain things you can do that will put you into a higher category right away if you just make sure you send to the right agent for instance and use their name and let them know who else they very easy stuff kind of that just lets you know that you're kind of a more serious person about your work and that you're it's and that you are have sent to the right place and so on and there's a lot of people who just don't even clear that hurdle, which is actually a pretty low hurdle to, to
1: clear. It's the first screen. Uh, yeah. Everything, you know, most agents now are getting 95% of their submissions, uh, you know, by email, which is fine. Of course, it's, yeah. It really yeah. has uh, cut down on the number of shelves we have to keep. Uh, right. so <laughs> And so every agent, you know, once they're successful established agent, is going to get hundreds of unsolicited pitches each month. Right. And yeah. on average, they're only going to represent 1% of them, of those hundreds, sure. maybe a 1,000, each month. Right. So you're basically, when you're doing your screening, which is not all, that's not what we can do all day. We have to set aside some time to do that. Uh, we're looking for the reasons not to read more to just press the regret button, you know, and send a regret letter or whatever we do. You're looking, we're looking for reasons not to consider it any further. So really what you want to do is not give any of those reasons. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's lots of things in the first couple of paragraphs of a pitch letter, which can really make a difference, which are, which are, uh,
0: you know, uh, crucial. But, But if you see something, I would imagine. Mean, so, if you do nonfiction, I'm sure you get referrals, and that's probably where you get a lot of your clients. But referrals get, are
1: crucial. Yes. Right,
0: that's a big one. I get it, and that's where I've all the agents I've gotten after a certain time have been through people referring me and so on. But um, but every once in a while, you got you find a gem in there, right? I, all the I, time. Repre- I, all the I talked to the I agent do. who who sold Stephanie Meyer's book, for instance, and when it yeah. came across the slush pile, and I would imagine that moment when you're fishing through and Oh, that's a pretty good first paragraph, and oh, 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 that some some excitement must begin to build in you that you might actually have something. Yeah,
1: yeah, and but it's it's best if it's not buried. Some you know if you if if what the project <laughs> right. is, uh, really needs it needs to become very evident pretty quickly. Right. right. Uh, otherwise, you know, it's hard to we we shouldn't have to like uh, decipher these pitch letters right. to figure out what the person actually wrote or wants to write. You know, right. it really needs to come through very quickly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and, and it gets hard for a lot of writers. It's it's tough for them. Uh, I teach a class called marketing for authors who hate to market. And that includes, uh-huh. I'll talk to them about query letters. And what I try to do is help them get over just their fear and loathing of pitching and marketing and selling and a lot of it just has to do with a sense of like i don't know how to make people like me and this sort of thing and i, I when i when i talk to them about Cory letters i say try to think about how much you absolutely love the book and if you can mm-hmm. have you know have that communicated a lot of them are fiction writers and that'll help you write it does that make sense i don't know you probably yeah even, you i mean i i thing. tell
1: fic- fiction writers you know maybe open up with some really dynamic dialogue you know, that pulls the, That could be your first paragraph, you know, just interesting, you know, just have it be, you know, some really uh, like uh, that sort of is the essence of the book. But right away pulls the person into the letter into reading the letter because, the you know, the the sample that you're putting at the very front of your letter is just so cool.
0: That's an interesting idea. All right. So listen, Jeff. It's easy to go the opposite direction, but I'm now going to give you a challenge. Give me a reason to be really optimistic about the publishing world. Tell me why I should be so full of hope for this lovely business.
1: Well, the, the traditional book publishing market is still over a billion dollars in the United States, and it, it's still Excellent. always growing, yep. uh, and all of the product – is coming from writers publishers do not generate the product in-house they edit it they curate it you know and put it out there and manufacture it distribute it but the actual product is being generated entirely by writers and uh, so ultimately the whole system of publishing is a hundred percent dependent upon writers in order to exist So as long as new books are going to be published, and they are, there's going to have to be people who write them. And it continues to be very dynamic. New books are always being published.
0: Every day. Every Every day.
1: day day And I'm not even talking about the self-publishing aspect. Right. Uh, I mean that that has added a whole other dimension to it, which is still sorting itself out. But yeah. uh, you know, and that's always that's sort of a bypass way, which a lot of people
0: uh, haven't yeah. that. Most haven't. Yeah, but most yeah. haven't. Most are doing it just because they can't stand rejection. I think a big percentage of them just don't like. I mean, there are some people who really see it as a business model, and they're doing, I think, pretty well. But I think a lot of people are just floored by the process of sending their stuff in and it's their way to get around it. You know? Yes. I think that's been my experience. Uh, yes. A billion dollars. And, and what do you say? And so and eBooks, uh, were you excited when that started or were you just a sort of like, well, let's see what I, this is I all was about. a little, I think at first I didn't really
1: understand it because yeah. I didn't, uh, I was not thrilled about the idea of, Reading something you know in my you know on a screen in yeah. my hand, it just didn't yeah. that wasn't my sensibility but yeah. uh but a lot of people you know I think people younger than myself <laughs> but, you know <laughs> were okay with that so yeah. the when it first uh it really you see publishers avoided the digital market as long as they could, yeah uh, like there was a thing called a Sony reader, and there were a few yeah. Others. yeah. Uh, yep, but the, uh, the quality of the, the screen quality wasn't that good. Mm-hmm. And they were clumsy to use and everything. Uh, so the publishers were happy with the status quo, not really having. Yeah. And it, so it represented until about 2010, digital uh, product represented maybe 2% of the whole market. And then Amazon changed the game by creating yeah. a high-quality reader and making it really inexpensive to use. And they didn't even ask for permission to convert a lot of the product into into digital product uh, in some cases. So they just forced the market, and they forced the publishers to go along. And the market share for digital exploded. All of a sudden, everybody was into it. And then it leveled off at 25% about three, four years ago.
0: And it and stayed, it kind of stayed there.
1: there, yeah, and and, and it would probably I probably always that, stay there
0: and 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 it, in my experience is that we're going a little inside baseball people, but why not? uh that it's what I've seen is it's largely driven by the genres that it's like that's the big consumers, the suspense, yeah. science fiction romance, especially romance is that yeah, true? yeah,
1: category uh fiction, and uh it depends a lot of people just you know think you know if they're traveling or uh, yeah. they it's a relatively inexpensive way. To acquire the product I mean yeah. it's, you, it's less expensive Than buying the physical book uh, And you don't have to store it Anywhere yep. <laughs> You know worry about what <laughs> happens to it after you read it And yeah. the funny thing is It's turned out to be very profitable For publishers even Not though sure. They did everything they could to resist it
0: yeah. It turned
1: out to be <laughs> profitable for them And it turned out to be profitable For the writers even though at first They were resisting it because they, sure. they Thought it wasn't going to be good for them uh, it turned out that uh, that everybody is making money from it. Funny. And yeah, making money talk. that they probably wouldn't have made otherwise.
0: Yeah, probably.
1: I I think so. There's no well, returns. There's no returns. That's right. There's no. Returns. <laughs> There's, no <returns. laughs> There's no capitalization. <laughs> you don't right. have to capitalize the printing of books. Yeah, you don't yeah. have to worry about warehousing. It has really taken a lot of the uh capital requirements off of publishers backs yeah that's that 25 percent yeah. of the market
0: well jeff this has been a very interesting conversation uh, i'm not quite done with you but before we get to the last question uh if, if people want to learn about you uh where's the best place to do it is it your literary agency or your own personal website
1: uh, my, uh, website is probably uh, a great place to start. Just www.jeffherman.com. Okay. Oh, got that All right. dot com. Good. And that's a great place to start.
0: That's the hub of your internet empire. They can go anywhere they want from there, right? Learn about yes. your workshops. And Excellent. All right. And, well, listen. Yes, go yes. ahead.
1: No. And, you know, you... you know, of course they
0: could buy my book, you
1: know. I mean, they could buy your so book. If they're so Do inclined. It, you...
0: It's good. It's good information. It's the kind of stuff you need. It's, a, it's the business side of it. I know some of you don't like it, but you got to deal with it. On some level, you got to deal with it uh, at some point. And why not start now? Uh, well, Jeff, here's my question for you: uh, If if working in the publishing industry has taught you only one thing, what is that one thing? Uh,
1: it has taught me that information is important. Because Infra- I'm you know, a nonfiction fiction guy. Yeah, yeah. Information is important. It's very important for people to be able to learn how to do things, and it's very important for people to understand their world and what they're, what's happening. And, yeah, it's nice. and it's free. The information, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you have to pay for the book, but yeah. the information is great value. If it's, if it's something you need to know, you know, a $10, $15 purchase is, oh, it can't really be calculated.
0: You win on that one. If you, if you get a book that really helps you, that's money that is well spent. And, you know, Jeff, and you help people bring it out there. You're part of that. You I are try. Absolute, thank you. You are. You are. So good work. And, Jeff, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. The book is Jeff Herman's Guide to Publishers, Editors, and Literary Agents. Again, thanks so much thank you all right take it easy bye-bye yes people it's good to have information see it's good to be optimistic he was optimistic wasn't he it's a billion dollar industry it's big and they need you they do they need you writers they can't publish them themselves maybe they'd like to but they can't no they can't okay i'll be here next week again as always in the meantime do something you love do it